Hey guys, this podcast is a great example of why I love going to live events. It gave us an opportunity to catch up with Paul Cowan, who's the VP of Enterprise and SMB Marketing at Shutterstock. He was also one of my panelists at DMWF Digital Marketing Conference at the Javits Center in November. Shutterstock recently recreated the infamous Fire Festival ad using its own stock footage as part of its global campaign, It's Not Stock. What was really interesting is that they were known to spend a lot of money on the marketing of the actual event even though they didn't spend it on the production this footage was recreated with 18 bits of their own stock footage which only cost them two thousand and sixty two dollars to create hope you enjoy hi everyone welcome back uh we're still here at dmwf expo and conference reporting live this is carl and dahlia and our, we have our special guest here today paul uh, tell us what you do. Tell us everything. Hi, I'm, I'm Paul Cowan. I run uh, Enterprise and SMB Marketing at uh, Shutterstock. You, you probably know Shutterstock from our big marketplace of uh, content and uh, content assets and videos, vectors, uh, footage, all that kind of wonderful stuff, uh, as well as uh, custom content that we produce for brands as well. I didn't know that, actually. I didn't know that Shutterstock created custom content. What does that look like? Yeah, it's uh, it's a fairly new offering with the company. It's uh, uh, about a year ago, um, it acquired a company called Flashstock, which I was a part of, and based out of Toronto, Canada. And uh, and uh, we've, we've become a part of the Shutterstock team, and, and what we're doing is rounding out the overall service offering. So uh, along with all the great content that you can get out of the platform, we have uh, all the bespoke and custom content that can be created through our creator and contributor network and technology platform that we have. That's awesome. So like I've worked at for a software company called Yachtpo. It says basically an e-commerce, reviews, user-generated content. I know it well. You do? Yes. Uh, what do you know about Yapo? <laughs> uh, we, I am no longer there. We but used was... Yapo for content syndication when I worked in the toy company. Awesome. For, uh, and as well, when I was in uh, consulting with a mattress company, we used Yapo for... Uh, for was it reviews. Casper or Lisa? A similar one in Canada. Yeah, sorry. Yeah. I got my Yapo book back yeah, here. There you go. <laughs> you give it the free swag away. You never lose it. Yeah. Um, no, it's awesome. So... It kind of in my software experience, like when you're talking about enterprise deals within your space, I mean, is this like a year-long contract? Like, what is? How does that look as far as like a package, or how does that? Yeah, typically, uh, most Good question. Yeah, most companies uh, sign up for uh, 12-month packages for us. There's there's a couple different ways you can do business. Like, so on the uh, on the marketplace side, uh, you would sign up for a subscription. So it's very similar to a SaaS offering, but you're you're licensing imagery from us at the end of the day. Um, on the custom side, uh, we deal more in briefs, so there's access to our platform and then um, our uh, uh, a per brief type of cost. So you would say at the beginning of the contract, here's the amount of briefs or the type of content that I think I want to produce, and then and then we use those briefs as our currency to help kind of build that for for the brands that we're working with. Awesome. What, like our sales cycle and kind of you know, the review generation space was and anyway, from I was more on the SMB side. Yeah. What does that look like as far as, I mean, your enterprise and SMB, like, is it a pretty long process or is it fairly quick? People know what they want and they're ready to go? Yeah, well, we want it to be really fast. Yeah, <laughs> it, of course. It, it, often, <laughs> uh, it often is. Uh, uh, on the SMB side, on, on, the, on, uh, on that side of the house, it's, it's generally around, like, 30 to 60 days. Um, if, if someone's just signing up for a marketplace agreement then, uh, or, or a, a stock agreement uh, and access to that platform, it's generally shorter. 
uh, on the custom side, there's more discovery, there's more uh, qual like just just activity that needs to be done to make sure we, we get you in the right type of package. So that's that generally is more like. 60 to 75 days. Awesome. Now, as far as, just for our listeners, I mean, SMB may sound foreign to some people. Can you kind of, I, at least with Yachtpo when I was there, we had different categories of what that defined. It was usually revenue or employees. Yeah. On, on your end, yeah, I mean, same, what is... Same thing on the small business side of the house or on the SMB side of the house. We, uh, you know, we, we look at, enter, we follow a lot of the, the standard enterprise definitions. So like US being a thousand people and Canada being 500 and uh, Europe up being 250 and, and SMB is really just kind of anything under that uh, and, and we just that's how we divide up our activity internally whether it's sales organization or marketing targeting that kind of stuff sure and I I mean this is, the podcast is called one question I, I have multiple but as, <laughs> as you explain I, it gets me thinking more I mean when you're working with an enterprise client versus an SMB client let me say like enterprise clients there's a lot more let's say red tape you know maybe NDAs you got C-level executives is that is that harder for your team, or is it SMB easier? Is there a difference? Yeah, I think I think the main, um, you know, that, that's I think how we define things today. That may not be how we define things tomorrow. Um, we really look more at like customer needs and and pain points and what they're really focused on because sometimes a someone who may fit into the typical SMB um, uh, bucket. Uh, has all the same kind of pain points and needs that a, a big multinational enterprise marketer has as well. So um, really, we at, at this point now, we're just trying to take that, that a bit more of that discovery mindset to every customer that we're talking to to really understand what their needs and pain points are so that we can put them in the right type of uh, solution set. Um, you know, we, we typically, because the company's legacy is, is, is around our uh, access to our stock platform, that's sure. what people come to us uh, for for the most part, but you know, if we can find needs around customer or other type of content, or they're trying to change the way that they're organizing their marketing departments or doing different types of approaches to, to how they want to do, do business or, or structure their communications, then then we may find a totally different solution set is right for them. Uh, and what kind of a budget well. would you feel would be appropriate to start with? You know, uh, we, we work with with brands that of, of all different sizes. So um, you know, obviously on on the uh, on the stock side. People can come and buy an image on our e-commerce platform and, 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 and never come and visit us again. So it may be like a designer who just has a specific thing they're looking for within, within a, a project can come and, and trial us and go away. Uh, we, on the enterprise side, like we're, we're obviously um, trying to create longer and, and deeper relationships. Um, but uh, but we, what we're finding now is that uh, you know people will really... Um, are starting to spend more and more of their budget on creating more content in-house, or they're investing more in their internal creative teams to develop content. So whether they're they're creating content and, and they just need access to existing images and videos because they want to create a whole bunch of different types of Instagram stories or whatever it may be, they can piece those together on a on an annual contract, whatever it might be, on a, on a price per asset. Or if they're coming to us with a... Uh, with a, uh, a very specific custom need, uh, then we have to work with them in, in figuring out what those needs actually are. Because how our, our pricing model generally works um, on the on the custom side, it's really about what are the requirements that are, are being done. So if something gets very specific um, uh, around the type of models, the type of propping, 
uh, and the location that they want to be in, it's going to be uh, it's going to restrict the pool of content contributors that can actually create for that brand. So, so we have to deal with all of those um, all of those different parameters. But you know, you can get going um, in the thousands of dollars with access to a uh, access to our, our overall stock platform, or in the, the the tens of thousands to the, the we do a lot of six figure deals with people who who are investing a lot in the custom content creation. Would you say like? You know, you mentioned in-house content creation. A lot of brands are maybe more going that route just because they maybe have more control or just easier. Is there probably cost advantages to going with Shutterstock versus keeping it in-house? Or vice versa. Or vice versa, I guess. I feel like people are, people are moving away from paying for images because, A, they're creating their own content, or, B, there's so much access to free images, right? So I don't know. Yeah, it's, it's, you know, it's definitely a, a pressure that we see. Um, there are, are more uh, free stock sites that, that might come up. Um, but it's something that we, we are constantly fueling more, um, uh, more assets into our platform overall, and it's constantly growing. Um, a lot of, on the enterprise side, a lot of customers come to us because they also want to have peace of mind um, around uh, the protections that they would have, that they know that they can use those images anywhere in the world. Uh, or they can use those videos uh, in, across multiple platforms and, and not have any risk associated with it. So, you know, when we're working with a, a global uh, agency or a, a global brand marketer, they want to make sure that, that they have all of those protections covered uh, and, and they want peace of mind around that. The other kind of interesting thing is on the custom side is that a lot of, um, a lot of marketers don't have the capability to shoot things internally. So they just don't have the capabilities to, to be able to produce high-quality content, uh, or they don't have the resources. So you know, we have clients where we'll shoot um, in multiple locations uh, with creating multiple types of content, and our, uh, we have a contributor network of about 15 to 20,000 people that produce that content for them, and they're located all over the world. So the, the challenge that a lot of people have is that if, if you're located in the, the, the Midwest, and you want to get awesome images of Thailand, it would be kind of hard to send everybody yeah. over there where we can That's turn that around in like in about three weeks um, from briefing to final product being produced. So something I'm curious too is like, you know, you mentioned that like the 12 year agreement or 12 year con- 12 month contract. And do you find like the churn rate? I mean, do you have people that come to you for a year and you know what, all right, we can maybe do this in house. So they learn kind of what you guys do and maybe steal it to some degree. Does that happen a lot? Or do you have people that really uh, yeah, believe I mean, in the long term? With the, the on the on the custom side of the house are uh, are we're we're fairly new, so it's like really kind of having a predictable churn rate. It's a little bit unpredictable right sure. now. So, um, what we we're not finding that people will 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 leave because they're taking things in house. Uh, they may leave because they just don't have a project that they they need something for right away. So they may come to us because they've done a big rebrand and need a whole bunch of images that are going to go into social and digital and feed a website and a blog and all of that kind of stuff. And so they may create so much content that they actually have no needs after, at the end of the 12 months, but then at the 18-month mark, they might need a whole bunch of other stuff. So, so that 12-month cycle is something we're actually reviewing because it, it, may, may it may not make sense for our business. Uh, and we may look at more project-based type activity or other things like that to lower barriers to entry and to increase kind of engagement with our with our platform as well. Awesome. So what's one of the most interesting campaigns that you've worked on that you can kind of like quantify, okay, we've spent 12 months together and this is why it has come to fruition? Yeah, um, you know, we have a couple long-term relationships. Uh, you know, we've, we've worked a lot with Marriott Hotels. They were an early, early brand um, 
that we work with. And, and they came to us initially to feature a bunch of properties across the world. So, uh, uh, you know, they wanted to feature about 80 different properties uh, in 30 different countries. And, and our network was the, the valuable piece to them that was able to execute this. So we used our contributors to be able to not only help create some of the ideas around where they would actually go and shoot around the world, but uh, also they, they obviously shot all of the content too. So after year one um, of working with Marriott, we produced um, somewhere in the ballpark of 125 Instagram stories, plus a whole bunch of other visual content assets in the in the hundreds of, of, of images and videos and Instagrams and, or uh, GIFs and cinemagraphs. Uh, and then they've renewed and they've, they've pretty much doubled the volume of Instagram stories because they just see that the platform for them works really well, like both Instagram as well as the, the means in which we can produce uh, produce content for them. You know, ROI, I mean, are you able to establish with these brands, like, hey, this story is behaving this way, or is that part of your platform? Is like actionable data? Yeah, so we, we don't get a lot of that, that. We don't have like a 360 feedback loop into the actual performance of that, of, of what the brands are putting in market, because we're the creative services area sure. where it's being deployed, and then they may take it and use it in multiple places. That it's theirs places, to run with. Yeah, it's, it's, it's in there. But I can give you an example of, of uh, something we, because we, we uh, you know, we eat our own dog food, and we use our network to create content for us. So we know down to the dollar, like, how our creative actually produces results for us. So I know that I have one Instagram ad that's produced about $258,000 in revenue for us through our tracking uh, tools that we actually one have. One ad that has produced $250,000. And it's Can you a talk book. Us through that? It's a book. Yeah. <laughs> it's a book Tell on a us desk. About that. Amazing. Um, so you know we're a very ROI focused culture. Like our our legacy at Shutterstock um, uh, is is as built out of being an e-commerce company. We uh, we know and we you look at a lot of last click attribution and and so on the enterprise side it's a little bit different. Um, we've applied a lot of B two C. Uh, B2C uh, uh, foundational elements to how we go to market. So we buy a lot of media on Facebook and Instagram and, and LinkedIn and, and a lot of the channels that you typically uh, think of. Uh, and we target uh, the business user there. So, you know, we, we found that Instagram has actually been a very successful platform for us as well as, as Facebook in terms of generating um, so Facebook's not dead. activity. No, Facebook works. Facebook is our most cost-effective one. Wow. Uh, Instagram drives a ton of engagement, but not as much revenue. But we have one particular ad that um, has been consistently a top performer for us, and it's a, a it, it's our core value proposition, and it's a picture of a book on a desk. And, uh, and we're iterating on pictures of books on desks to keep trying to see if we can understand what that, what the secret sauce is that makes that one actually perform. Is it um, the color? Is it because there's pencils or a headphone on there? If, if I could predict, <laughs> if I could predict what creative was going to perform really well, it'd be a far richer man. Um, <laughs> but it, it's one of the, the the hardest things. So we're just trying to isolate the different variables that are are are. Um, going into it and, and trying to see if there's different factors that we can help either replicate or increase the success of that kind of stuff. Okay, so you have this ad, well-performing, It's a, it's got a book on a table. How does it get to the $250,000 in sales? Uh, so we'll track all that through our, um, our uh, uh, all of the different um, uh, platforms that we have in place. Um, so we're, we we purchase some Oracle products like Eloqua, and, and we, we use Salesforce as well, and and so we distribute everything. We when it's coming in, we, we have everything tracked to see what the uh, what the uh, initial touch was with that customer. So we see that they clicked on the ad, went through, filled out the form, got into our, our sales funnel, 
and uh, and see how uh, uh, see how it uh, it actually resulted. And just recently, we had another Facebook ad generate another $48,000 deal uh, for us. And it was one of our eBooks that was about how to scale um, content creation. So it's these types of areas where, you know, people can't, don't just have to think about Facebook as like a consumer platform, but, you know, we know that there's lots of business users on there and they're there during the day, they're there on on the weekends and and people will click on forms or click on ads, read our our content we're producing, fill out forms and, and engage with us. So we use all these channels and we optimize against the channels that perform the best. So, so basically, sorry, I'm just trying to break it down. So you yeah. put together a Facebook advertisement, you give them an ebook, you request that they put their email address, and then all of a sudden they hand you $48,000? Yeah, basically 35 <laughs> days. <laughs> so it's, uh, it's nice. No, but how and does that happen? Walk us through it. It's, uh, so, I mean, uh, what, what will happen is after that customer, um, after that customer engages with us and, and, and qualifies for uh, some sort of outreach, so, so generally once they hit like our threshold from a marketing standpoint that we think that that customer should be talked to, um, whether it meets like some of the criteria around like they're a customer of this size, they have a, they spend a certain amount in revenue, they uh, have had a certain amount of interactions with us as a company. So they've downloaded an ebook, they've read that ebook, they've subscribed to some emails, then they'll 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 then qualify for someone to talk to them. So. We have a, a, an amazing uh, SDR team, or sometimes they're called BDRs, MDRs, but they're... S- sales Development Representative. They're, they're yeah. development reps, so they're... they're varying lingos lang- for that. Yeah, yeah. and they're, they're people who, do, who manage the initial kind of nurturing and touches with the customers and talk to them about what their needs are. Uh, so they do some outreach, and, and uh, uh, the person, this woman named Melissa, was the person who did the uh, the uh, initial outreach to this person who had filled out the, the, the contact and took extensive notes on the problem, understands what's happening. They pass all that over to the sales rep, uh, this woman Ashley, and she had the conversation with the client. Uh, they were able to establish what the, uh, the the core needs were, and, and we're able to build a package and uh, and and get it through the. Uh, get it through the rest of the, the kind of funnel stages and a oh, deal pops out the other end. I know it sounds crazy, but you make it sound so simple. You're like, and then after a certain amount of touch points, how many touch points is it required for them to engage with you before you actually convert? Well, I, I, that would, that's a tool, trick, tricks of our trade. So uh, that's in, it's that's a, internal. It's, well, it's, so we'll go with nine. Yeah, it's, it's, <laughs> a, it's, a lot, it's a lot less than that, but it's, um, wow. uh, it's, it's really like in terms of the amount of, of marketing touches and then yeah. And then they'll go through the all the sales process, and and you know we this is always an attrition game, like in yeah. in kind of best practices, like one inquiry or sorry, 350 inquiries generate one sale, and that's like the the serious uh, uh, benchmarks in terms of the average kind of deal cycle. So, you know we we look at how many what you know how many different. Uh, inquiries we need to create and how many MQLs we need to create to uh, or, or marketing qualified leads to, to kick out sales at the end of it. So, you know, it's something that we're constantly optimizing and something that we're constantly analyzing in terms of what our sales flow looks like and how we can improve it and uh, and optimize it along the way. He, he's speaking my language. Yeah. <laughs> I love this. Oh, love well, I, I guess so it's, well, I guess I have two questions, but our podcast is called One Question. Um, yeah. As far as discoverability, certain brands, they would go to the, you know their sites and you'd see Yachtpo somewhere. And I'm not as familiar with Shutterstock, just I haven't been involved there, but do you guys have like a watermark on your image? Like how do, do people discover you just based on you know seeing like we want to be like uber so we yeah. go to uber site we know that the user's like do you get that kind of inbound funneling yeah i, th- I think um 
you know, there's we have a, a ton of inbound activity. So when you think of our business, like I focus on um, on the enterprise and SMB side. So I I'm hunting bigger yeah, targets. So sure. you know, I'm going after whales and, and and other folks. And then on the e-commerce side, we have like a, a massive team that's like focused on SEO and SEM and and just creating that that huge amount of awareness um, amongst anybody who happens to be looking just searching for and looking. So, so like SEO is a huge area for us where. You know, we want to make sure if someone's searching for, um, you know, st- stock image royalty-free uh, giraffe dancing, like that we have <laughs> that, that image in it. Is that a typical it, search? I, it's, it's one of the most. You'd be surprised. Yeah. <laughs> I think you'd be surprised. Absolutely. Well, as, as it pertains to SEO and like AdWords, I mean, has obviously the space is probably getting more competitive. Is that like the AdWord campaigns? Like, is that something that's been like a challenge, just like differentiating yourself? Because I, I mean, people used to bid on Yachtpo. Yeah. Uh, other undercutter, smaller platforms um, yeah. it, that was a hard for us because you'd Google Yachtpo and, and there, there was another our competitor would pop up first yeah. Yeah, it, so that was always tough it, it's always it's a balance super smart it, 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 I mean the competitive keywords is, is, is an area that's that's always kind of interesting on, on how much we want to play in or not play in and and uh, and just generally as an industry, what we want to do. I, d- I don't manage specifically that area because, sure. um, you know, on the enterprise side, uh, we'd be more focused on on really long tail keywords and sure. people who are trying to do like organizational change management or digital transformation within the marketing departments and those types of things. And we we create content around those specific types of needs. Where on the on the mass market uh, uh, SEM and SEO side, yeah, it's definitely it's definitely more challenging and. You know they're faced with the the challenges of, of, of Google and, and changes to algorithms and all those types of, of factors that that uh, contribute to it as well. Yeah, I mean it seems like something I love, and it's, I worked for a company in the past. Like our educational piece was a huge like plus point, and it seems like with you guys like that, you know, the eBooks, subscribing to emails, and this kind of educational component was that always a strategy with you guys, or did you kind of fall into that just as you see the needs for the customers wanting to learn and. Yeah, it's it's absolutely been core to our strategy around around um, designing uh, content against all of the, the the key needs and key key pain points that customers are, are currently seeing. So you know, and it's not just um, it's not just to drive people in and, and drive deals, but you know, legitimately we want to be able to have the conversations that are the most fruitful conversations and attract the right type of people that are in the right kind of mindset, and and so. You know, it's, it, that helps us. If we're able to kind of provide the thought leadership and provide the uh, uh, the solutions that that some of the customers are looking for at uh, as they're kind of doing their exploration. Then, then it just helps us be able to like have that qualification done. So, so content for us not only is a way to attract people, but it's also a way to just help make sure that that we're all speaking the same language. And by the time someone's in a in a sales cycle, they're not being sold to, but we're just having more of a conversation about about how our solution is going to be best kind of tooled to the needs that the customers have as opposed to like us really trying to push a sales process. This is all, this is all good, good sales stuff. Um, I think I, I'm just thinking about it from my, my case scenario. Like I'm trying to figure out like how does it fit? Would it replace like my, I don't know, my free searches for images? So like, yeah. so let's say like I needed to use it at FIT or something in the idea of that like how, yeah, I mean, it really depends on on what your objectives are and what you're trying to do from a marketing standpoint. So, you know, if if you don't have a need for the volume of images that we would produce, or, or the volume of, of, of images that you might need access to through a, a, a 
plan that you would have on a monthly basis, then, then, then you know, you, you wouldn't come to us. Right. You, you might just do either one-offs or an individual shoot here or there. Uh, and on the custom side, you know, we've got like this this massive network that that can really be fine-tuned at really kind of interesting uh, and, and specific type of, of, of briefs that you might have. So you have a, if you might have a really kind of specific need around creating uh, content that, that might be showing off like graffiti and alleys all through New York and you want to have a, a, a campaign oh, that, would, that would be using like imagery and, and videos of that type of stuff. And I, I, it, But it really just depends on, on where you want to go creatively and, and how you want to execute it. So, um, you know, sometimes the best route is to use an agency and have a one-stop shop and have the agency do it. Sometimes agencies come to us as our, as the way to actually help uh, help uh, execute the types of programs that they're looking to do. Or we do direct-to-brand relationships where the brands have brought stuff in-house and they just need, they don't have internal uh, photography and videography services. So we're the ones who, who execute a bunch of that stuff for them. So it really just depends on the need and, and the specific kind of strategies that, that most people we work with are looking for. We all talked about Facebook, Snapchat, Instagram. I, less so Snapchat for me because I don't use it anymore. But yeah. is there a channel platform that maybe some of us aren't privy to or knowing of that you have maybe dabbled in a little bit with the Shutterstock? I mean, besides the, the major players? Yeah. Um, is there any know, emerging ones? There's, there's none that, I, that really kind of come to mind. Um, you know, there's... There's specific ones in specific regions that uh, that different marketers will use. So, the ones in in Asia are are, are very different than sure. what we traditionally look at in North America. And and there's a couple of different ones like I, 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 the the name of it escapes me, but there's a specific LinkedIn competitor in Germany that mm-hmm. is is used quite frequently. So. You know, in, in terms of uh, our deployment, um, you know, we look for, we don't have a big team, so we look for as much scale as we possibly can. Uh, in my world on the enterprise side, uh, ABM or account-based marketing is kind of the big buzzword, and it, it's really just about the ability to target people in, in more uh, fine-tuned ways through digital channels. So we do a lot of targeting at the company level and and at the individual level, so we're, we're, we do run a lot of very, very specific campaigns targeting uh, accounts that we might want to grow in, or, or accounts that, uh, that that we want to uh, uh, create relationships with, and, and we'll do specific offers and, and talk to them on a on a one to one basis. So if, if there's a big account that we want to do business with, we'll talk to them and say, hey, you know, hey, brand X, we want to develop a relationship with you, and we may develop content for them and showcase it and offer it to them and, and do really kind of specific targeting there. Uh, from a client side, um, they and mainly you almost put it together in advance for them to show them what you. So like a proof, like a proof of concept. Yeah, we may we may we may invest in that. Uh, we may offer them a, a, a pilot, or or just go to them and, and showcase uh, some of the work we've been doing with their competitors, or or in the industry, or to target segments that they may be looking to uh, to. Uh, generate content for. So, you know, on our side, it's really about refining and getting really, really specific, either one-to-one, one-to-many, or, 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 or one-to-few or one-to-many messaging and, and, and how we can make that as effective as possible. And, and I was saying on the client side, it's like uh, they, they're really deploying in all the major platforms. And uh, I, I would say most brand marketers are having a hard enough time trying to build content uh, specifically purposed for Instagram, Facebook, and 
YouTube, let alone all of the all other the places ones. that they could potentially. Yeah, they almost have this very specific individually yeah. Like yeah. what works. Obviously, photos being probably primary on, on yeah. Instagram. And, yeah, you know, maybe video with YouTube. But yeah, I mean, stories is, is stories. Stories is such a huge area. Uh, just even how to create a video using multiple. Uh, image or footage asset types is, is uh, all of these things are, are what brands are really trying to figure out today because right. the hardest thing today is about is not only the idea but it's also the execution. Uh, images are fairly easy and, and you know Facebook and Google has made it easy for us to be able to create ads and launch ads but being able to cut together a, a six second or 15 second video takes a little bit more from a skill set standpoint and, and brands are starting to wade into those waters. So when you were on the panel, you said something along, along the lines of every time you try to predict which uh, yes, advertisement is, <laughs> is going to be successful, you yeah. fail 100% it's of the time. Terrible. Yeah. Yeah. And then the ones you have no idea, <laughs> how did it work? Yeah. It's, it's, uh, yeah, you never, you never know what is going to work the best, which is why you know, we really advocate for, for just trying more and testing more. Um, you know, I talked a bit about, uh, we have like, internally we have a two week sprint cycle where we develop new creative or hypotheses around developing new creative. And it's because, you know, we, we, we may not know all the reasons why something's working. So we just need to, to try to understand what we think those variables are and, and develop uh, uh, those hypotheses and create new creative to see if, if we actually move the dial forward or, or backwards and, uh, and, and take that learning through a whole bunch of tests and, and really just take that test and learn framework and, and apply it over the course of the year so that at the end of it, we, we know what messaging works and what messaging doesn't work. And so when we have to spend a lot of money on something, we're, we're just better at it. So majority of it is really A-B testing for you. Absolutely. And, and some people even say A, B, C, D testing. Very, very, very revolutionary. Well, from a sales perspective, something I really enjoyed bringing clients in or going to see them, what element of your business is in person or what elements just over the phone or email? Um, yeah, we do a lot of our relationships are, are virtual relationships. Yeah. Um, you know, we, we have a lot of, uh, when we have a big relationship, we obviously have, have, have more um, in touch and frequent communications with them. If, if, it's a, if it's a client that we're working with on a multi-year deal, we might do like, you know, your standard quarterly business reviews and, yep. and talk to them about where we're going to go and the trends that we're seeing in the industry and that kind of stuff. Uh, but there's there's a lot of clients that just use us very hands off. So, you know, there might be there's there's lots of like um, regional QSR quick service restaurants that we work with that you know we might talk to them once a year, but they have small brief packages with us, and they just will create some assets like on menu changes or if they're launching in a different city or whatever it may be, and, and they don't need a lot of touches. So it really just depends on on the client. Um, and, uh, and a level of, of uh, engagement that they're really looking for as well. Yeah, I mean, it, it seems like the, the vertical probably you guys are most used in is what, hotel, restaurant, would you say? Or is it um, our, you just across the board? I, I, it's, it's actually, it's interesting. Our, our, our top verticals, we've done very well uh, uh, in the food and bev category. Um, so both like uh, alcohol brands, beer brands uh, have, have used us a lot. A lot of CPGs, so... Uh, um, multinational CPGs uh, work with us a lot. The QSR category is work. We've worked with it really so a quick well. service restaurant would be like a Chipotle. Yeah, or exactly. Like, okay, so I'm just so, trying to make. Yeah, I think, the, I think some people call it fast casual here, but yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, it makes so sense. Like, want to dig in, fit into that category, or like they're just not big enough for you. Sorry, the, which dig one? In? Dig in. Sure he's, he's dig I'm in. I'm not sure what oh. dig in. What's a dig in? I think dig in's only New York based. Okay, um, it's it's similar to Chipotle. Kind oh, of okay. fast casual. Like you kind of see what's available, hot, ready to yeah. go, but you kind of mix. 
mix and match. Oh, okay, yeah, no, it's just a slightly healthier version. Yeah, okay, no, like it's uh, like we work with the Chipotle's, McDonald's, uh, Chicken Salad Chick. Like there's there's tons of different uh, uh, restaurant brands that we've that we work with, um, all with different use cases. So um, it, it hasn't been like that we we really excel with them, but sure. it's uh, for any any brands like whether it's. Uh, whether it's a CPG in the beauty category or um, uh, home home products, or uh, we work with high-end electronics retailers and manufacturers who want to do case studies, so uh, we we really could be uh, adaptable um, based on the creative ideas that that people have and what they want to actually execute. So yep. there's no real like there are, are industries that we've penetrated early on um, that use us more, but that's just really a function of um, some might be a little bit more forward in terms of their thinking, in terms of how they want to bring more stuff in-house, or, or or they want us to work with their agency partners, or, or but they're ones who are really just pushing forward in terms of how they actually want to execute content. I love that. I mean, have you ever... I've been in sales, you know, almost nine years, and there's certain customers that you, you walk away from. Have you, in your experience, you know, you got an enterprise client, they may be really hot on working with you guys, but maybe looking at some of their needs and some of the other things that they're looking for, maybe it's just not a right fit. Are, yeah. Would you actually be like in a position to say, hey, we don't want your 12-month yeah, so, agreement? Uh, so it's, it's interesting. It's not a, it's not in a challenge that I, I, I think has happened yet. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, uh, I've only passed, I just passed my year mark at Shutterstock in, uh, in September. Congrats, so, congrats. So, uh, yeah. so I haven't seen anybody, I haven't seen us walk away from any deals quite yet. Okay. Um, <laughs> But uh, but yeah, who knows? We may we may find that. But for the most part, we we haven't seen that. I had a few on the SMB side, you know, where you've got, you know, maybe it's husband wife selling candles out of Kansas City, but maybe sure. they're doing high volume. Yeah. But their needs and some, just dealing with them on a customer level, it just yeah. was, there's some way we're just like, you know, yeah. you might want to go to this other company. And we've yeah. we've walked yeah. away from a few of those just because. Where it's a, a lot more maintenance, you think? Or? Yeah, just dealing with holding their hand a lot. Yeah. It's going to cost us more in resources to actually. Yeah help them out and then what actually is being paid so I was more curious with there may be like it's not an area that that would be more in our our customer service and and client delivery team so uh, but I I haven't heard of any examples (laughs) of that quite yet well I I ask this to everybody that comes on our podcast but what I mean obviously we're hearing like really cool things you're doing a lot of progressive new stuff what's like the biggest challenge that you face on a day-to-day basis at the company or or on a greater scale the company itself faces yeah I I think one of the one of the biggest challenges that I have is, is around uh, around data and and having common languages around what the data we're analyzing. There's so many different sources of, of the truth. Like we have a real hard time just making sure that the data is flowing correctly, so that when I'm telling a story about how many, how much volume of leads that we've driven in the organization and what content is working really well, that that our CRO or our CMO or anybody else within the, the organization is is referring to those same data sources and can tell those same those same uh, those same stories as well. So I think I think that's one of the biggest challenges. You know, it, it, it's definitely a hangover of, of uh, like a few years ago when big data was such a, a common term that was being used, and, and then we all kind of went away from it because. Uh, the analysis of data was coming becoming a challenge, but as a marketer, we try to make as many um, fact-based decisions as we possibly can, and uh, and just making sure that we have that consistency is is key. From a from a, a company standpoint, it's uh, it's about the future. It's about who are going to be our next competitors that are are going to come into market. It's about you know the role of AI and 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 the fact that. Uh, 
Uh, I'm going to check out that movie you recommended, Sunspring. Sunspring, yeah, it's yes. great. It's, uh, it's, a, and it's only so, 15 minutes. And they fed, they fed. Oh, well, can amazing. you kind of explain to some of our listeners? Yeah, so, so Sunspring was a, a, a movie that was made after, after uh, uh, so it was an AI-built uh, movie uh, where they fed it, uh, they fed the tool a bunch of movies, sci-fi movies from the 70s and 80s for the AI to write a sci-fi short. Uh, and it <laughs> premiered awesome. at, a, at a, uh, a film festival in the UK, uh, I think about a year or two ago. Um, and it ended up being, they needed a team of writers on it. and, this and is the, it? Uh, yeah, that's it there. So it's oh, the, so he's from... Uh, oh, Silicon I know that Valley. guy. Silicon Valley. Silicon Valley. Great, yeah. great show. Oh. So he's the lead, the lead character in it. Um, so clearly it's going to be good. Yeah, well, and it comes out as being kind of satirical or a sure. bit of a parody, parody because it's fairly nonsensical. And so they had people, like, they shot it, they, it, was, it was, you know, the AI wrote the script, but then they took the script and then uh, added all of the uh, characters and sure, they made it. all of that kind of stuff to it. Um, and, and it just is, a, is an interesting kind of state on, on, like, you know, where the industry's going. Sure, that, when you look at that, you'd be like, yeah, AIs can't write, but, you know, in two years from now, they might be able to write. They can, you know, there's, a, there's companies right now that are writing... Uh, email subject lines off of your your performance. There's companies that are doing Facebook ads off of off of your historical performance. So we've got like this massive repository of image assets that we're using computer vision technology and other machine learning tools to help kind of categorize and tag and be able to help uh, help people search. Uh, and once we start to pair that with uh, with written words or spoken words, then, then that all of a sudden becomes a very powerful, powerful tool. So, so just having a, being mindful of like how content's going to be created in the future and, and how we as a company need to evolve to feed into that content um, and, and where new market entrants are coming in is it's, it's all incredibly uh, exciting and, and interesting on where it's actually all going to go. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we, we, the Yapo developed like an AI, it's called Insights, which yeah. is basically being able to look at the reviews and polarity scores to different words that are used a lot and you know looking all over like a thousand reviews you could find out you know shipping was an issue or yeah. quality um, with you guys I mean as you guys continue to build you know your brand and, and the, the offering would that be we were selling this as an additional software this yeah. AI piece is that something like you guys would envision being able to provide like your, I mean if you guys could put together Facebook advertising <laughs> for me <laughs> you know, it, it, another thing yeah. to sell your you know we went back to all of our enterprise clients that had already yeah. had our main core offering we're like hey we have this insights product where you're able to go through your reviews and your content and be able to understand it better and we were able to offer them you know another $10,000 sale so for sales guys yeah. it was awesome so yeah. I guess I mean would, would that be something you would add to your hey, it's potential me, offering you know uh, uh, I, I could say that and, and add it to my add it to the product sure. roadmap, but yeah. uh, they may they may not they may hate like, you for like that. Me for that. <laughs> uh, but it's things that we think about, whether it's um, uh, whether it's through partnerships or um, uh, or or whatever we may develop in in house. Like we're we're really looking towards the future in terms of what is the ideal content creation platform that. Uh, our customers need and, and, and try to make sure that we're, we're developing against the uh, against where the market's going. I love so, it. If you could fill in the blank, sales and marketing means 
XYZ to you, what would you replace it with? Uh, a, a harmonious relationship and, and balance. It is a, it is, it is definitely, definitely like a, a, it's a yin and yang kind of relationship. You yeah. know, typically there's always been this like friction between sales and marketing because of the fact that it's like you know salespeople are pounding on the table for leads and in marketing saying we're giving you the leads you're not closing them. So um, you know we it, that, that friction is always healthy and good um, uh, and, and gives everybody it gives everybody a goal or a stretch goal. Uh, but really, like you know, I, I think that uh, it, it, we do have to work. We have to work together, and we work very well with our with our, our, our sales group and our sales organization. And and, and we want to focus them, and we want to help them land deals. So, you know, we do everything we can to to really kind of drive demand and help conversion velocity and arm them through that whole process, so that so that they have the appropriate tools and 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 they have the way the the, the things that they need to drive the conversations with the clients and. There's nothing worse than if we pass over a bunch of unqualified leads and that they can't close. So yeah, you know, all of, that too. <laughs> all of our goals are the exact same. Like, it's like at the end of the day, we're all just trying to trying to um, grow the business, and um, and so we just need to make sure that we actually have a great feedback loop uh, together so to make sure that that we're actually achieving that. I love it. So one more question. Yeah. <laughs> if you could leave our listeners with a piece of advice, what would it be? Uh, that's uh, only one thing. It's the one, the one thing at the end. That's what yeah. I, have to, I have to sum it up. Um, I would I would say that um, uh, it's 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 really about um, test and learn. Um, that's the one thing that I think drives the the, the core of what we do as a marketing group. Um, we know we're not going to be correct all the time. Uh, you know, it, it used to be the Facebook mantra of like, you know, move fast and break things, but it, but it's really, it, you know, that's it, not the flavor of the day anymore. But, but the spirit of it is is the same thing around like, just test, get get a real great systemic way of trying to figure out what works and what doesn't work, and make sure that you cut off the things that don't work fast, and that you double down on the things that do work. And and I think most a lot of marketers just have a, a, a constant fear of pushing outside of, of, of tested and true channels that, that they don't move fast enough once something goes by them too quickly. So I think it's it's really about just, you know, making sure that you have that plan so that you can uh, you can make sure that, you, that things aren't passing you by and you have a, a process to put in place to, to make sure that you can uh, uh, test everything to make sure to see if it's actually going to work. That's great advice. Yeah, I like that. Totally. Cool. I like that a lot. Great. Thanks so much for being here. Awesome. Thank you. Yeah. Great. Are you going back to Toronto right now? I'm heading back. Thanks I'm gonna... for missing your flight for us. <laughs> yeah, I appreciate it. <laughs> no problem. There's another one in an hour. <laughs> That's good. And Porter Airlines? Yep, you got it. I love Porter Airlines. Yeah, great. So easy. The city airport's the best. Great group of people. Yeah, I love it. Well, thank you so much. Cool, thanks.